Greetings, podcast listeners. This is the JS Online and Packers News Packers Podcast, and it's early Friday morning, not long after the Packers' 51 to 34 victory over the Pittsburgh Steelers at Lambeau Field in the second exhibition game of the season. I'm your host, Tom Silverstein of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Would have gotten this done a little bit earlier, but I had some trouble with the intravenous coffee drip that I have going in order to make it through this podcast. I think many of you understand exactly what I'm going through, but fear not, and I'm not asking for any sympathy because I'm here for you and nobody else. So let's get started. Uh, I want to tell you about the game. Uh, my plan is, or uh, my theme is, that every action has an equal and opposite reaction. And so I'm going to look at a couple of things from the game that relate to each other to some degree. Then I will take questions from many of you who submitted them through. Twitter, you were supposed to submit them through Facebook. I'm not going to really take hold it against you for not doing that because I didn't get very many questions through there. I thought I'd try it. Okay, swung and missed. You know, we'll live and learn. Anyway, let's get to the game. The first thing I wanted to mention were the players who did not play. So uh, wide receiver Trevor Davis, he's got the hamstring. Cornerback Kevin King got the shoulder. Running back Devontae Mays, he's got the hamstring. Running back Aaron Jones, hamstring. Jermaine Whitehead, back. Nick Perry, he's on PUP. He could be back this week. Lane Taylor, thigh. Offensive tackle Brian Balaga has the knee. And Mike Daniels has a thigh injury. Now, let's see. Aaron Jones, Whitehead and Balaga all went through warm-ups before the game, which means that they were being held out pretty much as precautionary. And I think this was the process part of their uh, rehab. Now, Balaga is just being eased into regular action. He's not hurt, but he's coming off the knee surgery. And he went through the warm-ups and I think be probably a regular in team drills this upcoming week. And Whitehead, I'm sure, was trying to get back. Aaron Jones had been practicing, just hadn't taken any team drills, and I think this is a way to get him warmed up a little bit, get him used to 11-on-11. Uh, 11 11. The other guys, you know, if they didn't practice, Kevin King, I don't know if that means that he's not close or what, but it's an injury to keep an eye on. I don't, I don't think Kevin King's going to lose this spot. He's not because he's still one of the best corners they got. But you're seeing that rookie Josh Jackson, and this is one of those opposite reaction things, Josh Jackson is getting a chance to establish himself. It's the same thing with Jair Alexander, who played for the first time Thursday night. Jackson's getting all this playing time, and now he's starting to flash. He had a pick six last night, read a route, kept getting kept getting thrown at on out routes and finally decided he had enough and jumped a route took it to the house for a touchdown 
So good move for him. He's I think he's really a guy who's on an upward climb, and he's he's forcing them to play him. Alexander played. He's still getting his feet under him. I thought he was okay. I don't recall him getting beat for anything, but I don't recall him getting thrown at. I really do need to kind of go back and review the game and watch it over again. But, I mean, there were some mistakes in the secondary, but I don't remember it coming from him. So that's one of the reactions. Uh, Let's take a look at Aaron Rodgers made his debut, played one series, completed two of four passes for 35 yards and a touchdown. And they got exactly what they wanted out of that series. They wanted to see him play with Jimmy Graham. They wanted to focus on Jimmy Graham. And that's exactly what they did. Rodgers bought some time in the pocket, down at the eight-yard line, found Graham, threw it up high, and there you go. There's their connection. I'm sure they're going to do that a lot. And and one thing I did notice about, this is really true throughout the entire receiving core, is that this new height has gotten them to throw a ton of fade routes in practice and in the game. Tight end Robert Tanyan, who I mentioned as someone to watch in the last podcast, had a fade touchdown. Went up high, got it. He's a 6'5 guy. So I think Aaron Rodgers is getting to really like this height factor with his tight ends and wide receivers. And it it, it can't hurt in the red zone, I'll tell you that. I think we're going to see a lot of those kind of fades. And, you know, that's the fade in his back shoulder with Devontae Adams is his favorite route, but now he's got some other options. So let's get to the opposite, and the action and reaction. The first one would be uh, the run defense, which I thought was pretty atrocious. The Steelers just ran the ball right down the Packers' throat, especially their number one offense. And that's got to be very concerning for Mike Patton because it wasn't like he didn't play the starters. Wilkerson was in there. Clark was in there. I mean, Daniels didn't play, but that's an excuse. Clay Matthews was in there. Blake Martinez. This is definitely a work in progress, and I'll be interested to see what McCarthy has to say about it, about what went wrong with the run defense. So that's a concern. I I wonder what that means. Pittsburgh's a really good running team, great offensive line, or have some really good offensive linemen. And I, I just think that that was something we'll have to see. On the opposite side of the ball, the Packers' run game was... Terrible, absolutely terrible. 29 carries, 77 yards, 2.7 average. Brett Hundley helped improve that with a 10-yard touchdown run. Uh, even Rodgers had a 5-yard run. Kaiser, Deshaun Kaiser, 2 for 4. It's just not good enough. Now, Jamal Williams didn't, oh, he did carry. He carried twice for 2 yards. Like I said, Aaron Jones didn't play. Devontae Mays is still out with the hamstring. They got to get that that cleared up. They're going to have to try to run the ball a little bit more in the offs uh, in the final two exhibition games. I, I, I'm sure this is this is really hurting Devonte Mays because this would be he would be the guy getting the ball a lot. That hamstring's got to be the fact that he's out has got to be killing him because this would be his chance to shine 
and he's not really getting it. Same with Aaron Jones. I mean, they know what Aaron Jones can do, but he needs the work. That's that's really a, a, another thing to keep an eye on as we go through the rest of the camp. At tight end, undrafted Robert Tanyan has proved to be a guy who's going to give them everything he's got for a roster spot. I mean, he's going to force them to make a tough decision. The guy is big. He he can run. He's a former wide receiver. He had caught a fade from Kaiser for a touchdown, really went up high, nice, nice catch, got open over the middle. You just see him making a lot of plays. And conversely, uh, Lance Kendricks, who had been kind of absent through camp, picked up his game. I thought he played really well. Came through and had a couple of catches. He was two catches for 28 yards. I thought he, he showed. Emmanuel Bird picked it up a little. He had two catches for 27 yards. But Tanyan's been pushing these other guys. The veterans, particularly Mercedes Lewis, has been teaching him a lot about blocking. Of course, that's going to be his weakness. He put on a lot of weight in the offseason. Pretty good weight if you look at him. That's going to be the whole key. But I, I think he's pushing hard for a, for a roster spot and a guy to keep an eye on. Uh, once again, Reggie Gilbert was really good. He's like Mr. August. He he's always seems to have, uh, reminds me of J. Ron Elliott, who used to just shine in the exhibition games. But I think Reggie Gilbert has established himself. I think he's right now the number three outside linebacker, or will be when Nick Perry comes back. He's number two right now. Uh, on the opposite side, oh, he had two and a half sacks. So he, you saw him make different moves. Guy can get outside and then he slipped inside on a tackle, bowled his way inside for, I believe that was on the half sack. He, he's he got different moves. He's he's really gotten bigger. This is a guy who's pretty good story. Be real interested to see what he does in the regular season against some really good tackles because he's going to play and they're going to they're gonna try to get him on the field. On the opposite side is Vince Beagle who uh, really needs to do something because I think he's in danger of not making the team. He's not really made many splash plays. He's playing against the twos and threes, and he needs to make a statement at some point, and he didn't last night. I, I just, it's not going that well from him. Kendall Donerson, their seventh-round pick, didn't help himself by getting an unsportsmanlike penalty on Josh Jackson's touchdown, I think it was for, I don't know if it was for celebration, I think it was, but either way, that was really a dumb penalty. That didn't help him at all. Hundley-Kaiser thing continues to go on. I don't think you can make any real decision, but I think Kaiser put a little bit of pressure on Hundley by going 7-12 for 149 yards for two touchdowns, 142 rating. Hundley wasn't bad, 6-9 for 77 yards, but he took two sacks. The protection was not good. Uh, the protection when he was in the game was not good, which is of some concern because there were starters in the game when that happened. He's still, you know, the thing with Kaiser is I, I think you see a bigger upside with Kaiser. It's just that he is not as refined. He doesn't have a great touch. I think he's still learning 
some of the footwork. You can see he doesn't throw with much air under the ball. And uh, he threw a nice fade to Tanyan, but there's some other throws where you just like, you could use a little touch on that, and he didn't show it. Tim Boyle was good again, four of seven, 37 yards. I thought he played solidly, not great, solidly, but he, he's making a strong push for the roster spot. I just don't know how you can let him go because of his arm arm strength it's tough that he would take over a number take over a third spot on the roster now they're not he's not going to be their backup but he's a developmental guy that I would keep around and you don't want to risk losing him but you know that's a decision Gunkins is going to have to make at the end weighing that third quarterback versus someone else you know that they might really need you know what happened last year with Taysom Hill. So we'll see about that. Running back, Ty Montgomery and kickoffs. I just I, I just don't see it. I'm not sure if he if he's – I'm sure he's going to make the roster, but he had a fumble on a kickoff return, four carries, 10 yards, uh, missed, a, missed a couple blocks. I, I just – I don't know. I don't know if they're wasting their time with him. Or if they if there's still something there that that we're not seeing, kind of an injury waiting to happen, and I think they got a tough decision with him, and it and it may come down to him and Devonte Mays, and that's why I really want to see Mays. He's uh, missed that time, and this this could have been his moment. So I talked about that earlier. I won't go into it much uh, beyond that. Final one is Jake Kumaro who had yet another great performance, a 52-yard touchdown catch, his second, uh, I'm sorry, 82-yard touchdown catch to go along with the 52-yard touchdown catch he had last week. Really impressive. And, and this is what I saw from him for the first time, which was his speed. You saw an out route, cornerback dives, you know, not a great play by the corner. He doesn't have a ton of help over on that side and he gives up the out route. Kumaro keeps his balance and turns up field, and there's no one there. So he's got the safety about 20 yards downfield, runs straight at him, goes just right at him, figures the safety's got to make a move at him, and he jukes him to the inside, and then he just runs by everybody. I was real, That's what I was really impressed with, was once he turned on the speed, uh, he, he flew. The only dumb thing he did was dive into the end zone with a somersault and ended up suffering a stinger. Apparently it's not too bad, and I I would expect him to be at practice this week, but don't do that anymore. I thought after the game, uh, Mon Williams had a really interesting quote from him, and and I want you to hear it from him directly. Size, speed, um, strong, run great routes. And you got um, a Hall of Fame quarterback behind him. Will make anybody look good. But he he's doing great, man. One of the one of the talks of camp, um, in my opinion. Um, you know, he's been doing it all camp long. It's not like he's just showing up for the game. And, uh, he's just having flu games. You know, he he's been doing it all camp long. And um, to see a guy who come in like that, work hard. Um, you don't know his name day one, but 
day after day after day, you're like, oh man, this guy, this guy's pretty good, you know. So you, you start taking notice to him, and that's what you want to see out of guys. Um, and I think Aaron expressed, you know, how much that you know he's appreciated the way he, the guy came in and worked, and um, that's the ultimate compliment. So to answer many people's questions that I got on Twitter, is Jay Kummerow going to make the team? Uh, I think you'd have to say that he is. Be a surprise to me if he isn't. But, you know, there's still two games left. And the opposite reaction that I didn't talk about was that Jamon Moore dropped another pass. And he's really got to get his act together. He, these drops are killing him. And... I, it would not surprise me if he didn't make the team. Fourth round pick, he's the highest of the three rookies, but he's got he's got to show them something. He's got the talent, you know. I mean, in the first game, he drew some offensive pass interference or defensive pass interference penalties. He's a big guy; he can run, but you got to perform now. I thought Marquez Valdez Scantling kind of disappeared in this game, which is what happens with rookies. They they have a hundred yard game one week, and I sort of wrote that in my column. And then the next week, they're they're non-existent. And Equinemia St. Brown had a little bit of trouble with the ball crossing route. You know, so you didn't really see anything outstanding from those three guys, but you did see it from Kumaro again. And that's, that's the whole key is, again, it would hard, be hard for me to think that he didn't make the roster. So with that, let me start taking some questions from, the, from Twitter that I asked for and received. Let me start with a question from Jake Becker, who did post on Facebook, thank you, Jake, about the way that GMs look at undrafted players versus drafted players. Is there something in the industry when assessing GMs where the evaluation of a drafted player and his failure or success carries more weight than the discovery of a great undrafted player? Yes, uh, there is. There's pride involved. This is a guy that you singled out to use one of your precious draft picks on. You saw something that made it worth using that pick. and But there's also... A financial aspect to it which is cutting him you've given him a fairly large signing bonus and you don't want to give up on him based on that well, paid a good price for him you paid like five thousand dollars for an undrafted guy and and you've paid hundreds of thousands of dollars for a drafted guy so that that's the difference and you'll see from that that's also a salary cap thing if you cut him he, he counts against all that signing bonus money uh, accelerates into next year, and you've got a, that on your cap. So, yeah, I mean, the answer is yes. That's Being a draft pick is favorable. Next, uh, Club Shed from Twitter asks me, who is the Packers' kick returner and punt returner for the season? Well, I'd have to say Trevor Davis still. Uh, I don't think they're going to give up on him. Although I have to give you, I have to give Quentin Rollins some credit for his punt returns. Did a pretty nice job. Had a uh, one fairly long one. I can't remember. 18-yard return. Just worked the blocking perfect. The blocking was excellent. 
and you know maybe Trevor Davis takes that a lot farther but Rollins ran hard and was hard to bring down so I, I give him some credit but I still think Davis has that speed he's just got to stay healthy uh, and if, if I had to bet on it right now I'd say Trevor Davis still that they just like him too much even though the injury is a problem so next uh the david at the david asks me uh, how many receivers are we keeping and who do you think they are well if i knew that answer i'd be a genius and i'd go to vegas and bet on it i do think it's going to be seven but it's going to be one of those three rookies is not going to make it at least one of those rookies i don't think is going to make it they got to make a decision on that and which is the one to be least likely to be picked up which one is the underperformer which is you know which two can help them right away if i had to guess i would say st brown is going to make it probably between valdez scantling and more for the other two positions the only reason i say that is is i think brown st brown has been the most consistent hasn't been splashy but he seems to catch almost everything he's in the right place most of the time and i just don't think he has the big ups and downs that the other two guys have and more as i talked about earlier really has to get it together so you've got Devontae adams cobb allison that's your first three kumaro likely your fourth then you're talking about uh trevor davis possibly your fifth probably your fifth and then you got the three rookies and even d'angelo yancey you can add him in there i i've been impressed the guy's really not folded under all this pressure uh and you know they have him out on the field with the starters at least they had some or early in the game he was playing the slot so among those four you got to pick two and i believe that will be how it goes so I, i'm not going to predict exactly who those two guys are because there's still two weeks of practice left in two games and we've seen a lot change over the course of two weeks so let let's let that play out and then i'll give you my opinion on who makes it next tim r larson asks me uh, will anything be done to address the lack of depth at safety, offensive line, and inside linebacker? I, I think it will. Uh, I'm not sure about safety. I know people are pretty down on on what occurred against the uh, against the Steelers, but don't don't be so quick to blame it all on the safeties. I have to take a look at it. I know there was one case where uh, one of those touchdowns that was in zone coverage and really Oren Burks was the one who was at fault, not Clinton Dix. It looked like Clinton Dix, but he was not the one at fault there from what I could tell. Uh, I, I, I don't think they're going to do anything more at safety. I think they're fine with who they've got. Offensive line, that's an interesting one because I thought that Kyle Murphy and Spriggs both showed weakness again. Uh, they, they really need to pick it up. They'll find out in these next two weeks whether they're ready to play. Now Now's the point where, okay, you're 
injuries from the off season were affecting you, but now it, it's crunch time and there's two two weeks to go, and you got to pick it up and figure out whether you're good enough to make this team. And they have to figure that out whether those guys can back up left tackle and right tackle. I think they have less of a concern about right tackle because they could move McCray out there if that's possible a possibility. Uh, even Lane Taylor can play tackle a little bit, but but that's not what you want to do. You want to have Kyle Murphy or Spriggs be right there at right tackle, and then left tackle is really a concern, but you're not going to go out on the street and get a left tackle. It's just not going to happen. You're not going to get a good one. You're going to have to get someone. If you do go out and get someone, you're going to have to get someone who either has a lot of experience and is beat up and didn't make his team for a reason, or you're going to have to get a guy with some talent but no experience. And so, you know, you have to weigh that. And I I don't know what their options are there. You know, they could always call uh, Jerry Evans, but then you're just adding another guard. And you're kicking someone out to tackle that isn't a tackle. So we'll see about the offensive line. I think they're really keeping their fingers crossed that Murphy and Spriggs come through because they just don't have a lot of options there. Tackles don't grow on trees. And, you know, they drafted Cole Madison really as a guard, but he could have helped possibly at tackle as well because that's what he played in college. It's just not where he's projected to play. So for anybody who's asking whether that's hurting him, I would say no, because, again, he he was going to be a guard. Uh, And then inside linebacker, yes, I do think they may have to address that. Uh, We'll see how uh, the next couple of weeks go. Burks Burks is going to be a good player, but uh, I just, they're going to have to take their lumps with him. He's a rookie. He's playing a new position. You know, he was a safety for most of his time in Vanderbilt. And they're just, the game is going to go fast and it's going to be hard for him. It's not like he's a dumb guy. He, he's a smart guy. Uh, he's really athletic, but that's a tough position he's in. So I could see them going for an inside linebacker. A lot of people have been asking me about Eric Reed for safety help. If Eric Reed was signed, I'd sign him as a linebacker. He'd be one of those kind of nickel linebackers that you'd use. He could play up in the box. Uh, I don't think you want him covering guys, uh, receivers, and Packers safeties traditionally have had to cover man-to-man, and that's not his strength. But I could I could see them going after him, uh, considering him, if they feel like they have no depth inside. Uh, wouldn't be a bad a bad thing. I don't think you'd have to pay a lot of money for him, but I'm not saying they're going to do it. It's just my opinion that they could get something out of that uh, if at the end of camp they don't feel comfortable with what they have. And let's face it, they're, it's Blake Martinez and rookies. So you got Burks, Maude Thomas, uh, Greer Martini, uh, Nashawn Hughes. That's it. And they knew that coming in with Jake Ryan, and Jake Ryan wasn't going to be a savior, but you know at least he had the experience to play the position, 
and they felt uh, uh, they could ease Burks in. Well, you can't ease Burks in now. So here, let's see how that plays out. But there will be some inside linebackers that they can take a look at, I think, uh, when the season starts. Or, or I'm sorry, after the, after the cuts. Um, Craig Tweets asks me, how does the running back depth chart look? How many make the team out of camp? feels murky right now with the maze injury. I don't think it's murky from the standpoint that Jamal Williams is the starter, Aaron Jones is the backup, and then and, and any combination of them are starters. You know, we'll just have to see what happens when um, Jones comes back and how that plays out. But Jamal Williams is the starter. After that, it's murky. So Ty Montgomery you have, Devontae Mays, what do you do there with those guys? And again, I think I addressed it earlier, Montgomery, Devontae Mays, you want to see something, one of those two guys jump ahead and uh, Mays needs to get on the field so they can get an evaluation of him. They did like what they saw going in uh, with training camp, but I think they need to see more. So, uh, we'll see how that goes, but Williams one, Jones two. Thomas Newkirk asks me, uh, "Will Green Bay ever develop a running game?" Well, here, here's the thing with the running game: the running game is always going to be secondary to Aaron Rodgers and the passing game. So, what the running game is dependent on is Rodgers getting them in the right play. It sprinkling in and setting up some passing plays, lots of play action, lots of bootleg. Their running game is not traditional. For instance, the Steelers have Le'Veon Bell, and they've got a big offensive line, and they really work at running the ball. The Packers aren't that kind of team, so they need, you know, they need a guy who can break it, like Aaron Jones who showed last year he could but needs to stay healthy. They got a power back in Jamal Williams. Their run game is just never, ever going to be dominant. And you have to accept that. Now, it doesn't mean you have to accept that it's going to be lousy like it's been in camp. But until you see Aaron Rodgers playing, it's so much of the offense revolves around him that I don't think you can make a judgment. And also you got to see the offensive line together when you when they've got Bakhtiari, Lane Taylor, Lindsley, McCray and Balaga together and then you throw in Mercedes Lewis they got a chance to be able to run the ball fairly well but they still have to do it and McCray suffered a calf injury I don't think it's serious but that could keep him out for a little bit which will affect the continuity but Balaga should be back soon so that's kind of where that stands so I've gone on pretty long here. Uh, it's been ooh, over 30 minutes, and I know most of you don't want to listen for more than 30 minutes. I hope that gave you some insight into where the Packers are, and I think starting next week we'll start to look at the positions and start to break down some of the positions, where they stand, and really with this next game, we'll know a lot more. They play at Oakland on Friday, but their first practice is Monday, and I will be sure to have a podcast right after that practice. So please look for that and look for all our coverage on JS Online and 
PackersNews.com. And I will cue the music and talk to you later.